I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. For many longtime Nashvillians, there's a good chance you've never spent much time on the river. And newcomers often wonder why we don't do more as a city to celebrate the Cumberland. That hasn't always been easy, but Nashvillians new and otherwise are waking up to the possibilities. And the city has been working to transform our riverfront from a primarily industrial area to one that centers recreation and fun. Like the plans for a major re revitalization for the surrounding Rock Harbor Marina. Tony Gonzalez is WPLN's interim news director. He's our producer for today's show, and he's been learning about the marina plans. Tony, welcome back to This is Nashville. Yeah, awesome to be here. All right, so you have been to the marina over the years plenty of times. Take us there. What sorts of river activities are happening there? Yeah, I mean, I remember being really intrigued when I first learned about the marina. Uh, so it's it's kind of tucked away in a cove at the edge of the Charlotte Park neighborhood that's in West Nashville. There's really not a lot of reason, you know, for folks to like pass by it. It's it's just tucked away. Uh, and it's actually really close to like a big quarry operation. So it's off the beaten path. Um, but it's a marina. So, yeah, so there's like a lot of boats there, uh, all sizes, small boats, houseboats are there. Okay. Uh, there's also some paddling that kind of uh, goes from the cove out into the river. And then there's the Blue Moon Waterfront Grill, the, the restaurant, which has been there uh, more than 60 years. Uh, the marina was hit really hard in the 2010 flood, uh, but it's still going. There's lots of activity there. Uh, it's a major place for boats to get fuel, uh, boats to get serviced. Uh, and even uh, Metro, actually, its emergency departments keep some of their boats uh, there at that marina as well. Okay, so what's it like when you're there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been to the to the restaurant maybe three or four times. I mean, it's, uh, I'm trying to think, it's like you're on the water, right? So, I mean, you kind of, you park or whatever, and you come out and you're just like, there's the river, here's the cove, uh, everything's sort of the floating docks and slips. So, I mean, you just feel like you're out there, you know, whatever, lake culture, river culture in this case. Uh, there are turtles that come by, fish, okay. geese, wildlife. Uh, you Maybe you'll see a kayaker, stand-up paddleboarder. There's even live music sometimes, like because of the restaurant there. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's that sort of lake life, in this case, river life, the river vibes. Okay, so what's the big plan for it? What changes are they making? Yeah, so, and, and this was um, kind of put out there just in the last few weeks. Um, they want to upgrade and expand uh, Rock Harbor Marina. They want to um, increase the uh, capacity for boats and for service of boats there. And they want to develop four acres of land, like right next to the water, Right now, there's there's sort of nothing there. Um, they they're thinking about a mixed use, you know, retail or, or additional restaurants uh, in that area. I talked to Wes O'Quinn. He's with the group that bought the marina a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, he he told me that you know he's they're really well aware that there's not that many places to kind of get like riverfront activity like this. Hmm. Um, he recalled too the first time that he ever arrived at this marina on a friend's boat. Pulled up to. Blue Moon uh, in the process of, of fueling up his boat and just remember how crowded and I mean, it was just so much fun. There was live music going and I mean, it was just kind of this oasis on the Cumberland that, you know, you couldn't find anywhere else. So obviously he really likes the feel. So this is kind of one of those, I mean, it's a big project, but there are some things or some feelings that he doesn't want to change, you know, like, so like the restaurant, it's not going anywhere. 
the city will still have its you know operations there. So some things will stay the same. Well, how different do you think it will be? I mean, that's actually still being determined. I mean, they're going through kind of a visioning process right now for what they want to have there. In fact, um, they've set up like a whole website that has the renderings. Um, they've got a survey that they're running. Um, I think they've gotten something like more than 400 responses already. So they're really trying to hear from the community. Uh, in fact, uh, the website where the survey is is rockharbormarine.com. Not marina, but marine. Rockharbormarine.com. You can kind of take that survey, see what they're planning. Uh, and they're trying to spread that word locally, but also even to sort of regional or national uh, boating enthusiasts. So, you know, a lot of people think of the marina as a hidden gem. You asked Wes, the owner, how he feels about that description. Here's what he said. It's definitely a hidden gem. We don't want to be the bachelorette capital of West Nashville by any means. We want to continue to provide, you know, that gem, uh, whether it's hidden in the future or not, to the Nashville community. All right. So, Tony... What are the project leaders saying about when these changes will happen? Yes, they call it a multi-phase plan. So I think that mm -hmm. means it's going to take it's going to take a while. Um, but but some things are already starting to happen. Um, Wes talked about how uh, infrastructure changes are coming first. That includes like new bathrooms uh, in the marina uh, and some of the the areas where the the boat technicians work. Those are getting upgraded first. Meanwhile, they're working with architects and engineers for ideas about that, the on-land development that I mentioned, the four acres. Um, but yeah, it's going to take years, and I think we'll be seeing changes you know, gradually as they go. I mean, Wes said he didn't want it to become the bachelorette capital, but it sounds like the marina could end up having a much higher profile. Is that where you think it's headed? Yeah, right. And I think a lot of people might... Maybe um, maybe their first thing they, they see there's a billboard on I-40 for the Blue Moon Waterfront Grill. And like maybe people know that. But otherwise, like I said, it's kind of off the beaten path. So I could see it having uh, a higher profile in the future. Um, but, uh, you know, Wes sort of repeated many times that, you know, he wants it to have the same feel while just sort of expanding um, awareness of our access to the river, maybe even changing perceptions a little bit about how we think of the river, which obviously is uh, what we're going to be talking about yeah. uh, for the show today. All right. We'll see how it goes. Tony Gonzalez is our producer for today's show and interim news director at WPLN. Tony, thanks for shining this light on this little pocket of Nashville. And thanks for your reporting, my friend. Yeah, you bet. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll take a look at the changes the Cumberland River experienced over the years. Do you make use of the Cumberland? Let us know what you do by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. For some, the river holds spiritual symbolism. It reminds us of the passing of time and the need for progress. The flowing of a river shows us that all things can and will change. Our mighty Cumberland River has seen a lot of changes, from being a natural food source and travel route to an industrial hub. And now, when the city has made plans to develop the East Bank into a whole new neighborhood. So what has changed about the Cumberland? 
And how will those changes reflect a new look and feel to Nashville? My next guests are here to help answer that question. I'd like to introduce Mikhail Houghton, the director of the Cumberland River Compact. Mikhail, thanks for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you. And joining her is John Michael Cassidy, director of the Shelby Bottoms Nature Center and former guest of the show. John Michael, thanks for being here. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. All right. So I want to take a look at the recent history of the Cumberland, what it was like, say, two or three decades ago. Mikhail, what was happening on the river during that time? Well, it was an industrial riverfront um, with not much access, and it was... Uh, It flows through Nashville for 55 miles, and all of those were polluted according to the EPA's clean water standards. So I imagine not much swimming or fishing going on back then. There were some hardy folks who still tell (laughs) stories about what they saw passing along the water when they went out boating. Um, And, you know, it's been a a secret, a beloved secret of a lot of people um, for a while, but now more and more people are discovering it for sure. And so tell me about that. What's the story with the river now? Um, in 2007, uh, 30 miles were delisted. So, uh, five miles are still polluted, but, um, but 50 miles are clean as they run through Nashville. So, um, so it, according to EPA standards, the water is fishable, swimmable. It's our it's our water source, so the Cumberland River currently s- supports all of Nashville and surrounding counties with their drinking water. Um, so our bodies are 60 to 80 percent water, and that water is the Cumberland River. All right. Now, John Michael, do you head out on the water? We do, yeah. I work at Shelby Bottom Seedrich Center, which is just three miles upstream of downtown Nashville. Um, paddle instructor as well, you know, bike, actually kayak, Santa paddleboard, canoe on the on the river as well. Those are some of the things you like to do. Tell me, how has the Parks Department, how has it been a part of the revitalization of the river? What have you all got going on? So as Mikhail mentioned, 2007. 2007 was a kind of a big year. Shelby Bottoms um, Nature Center opened. The Cumberland River Pedestrian Bridge opened. Uh, the Parks Department and Greenways have uh, acquired space and green space along the river. Bell's Bend, Peeler Park, Shelby Bottoms. Uh, Cumberland Park in the last 10, 15, 20 years uh, and have increased access and green-lighted, if you will, a number of spots um, with uh, paddling access, non-motorized and motorized. I've heard something about Wharf Park, and it sounds pretty cool. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, Mikhail and I and a lot of other colleagues have been a part of that from contribution in regards to um, input and community uh, input and, and meetings. So Wharf Park would be river left, so river left and river right, always facing downstream, um, just maybe half mile, uh, just under a mile upstream of downtown. Rail connection um, to downtown, potential greenway connection. Um, there is, uh, they're in the middle of the planning stage. They have gathered input. Uh, consultants have uh, advised um, things from the community and, and professionals, and there could be increased um uh, activities there, including river access, uh, boat lockers, paddling access, and in general, physical connection to the river. That sounds really cool. Now, you know, Mikhail, when I first moved to town, I was warned to avoid getting into Cumberland at all costs due to the pollution. But as you just noted, the river is getting cleaned up. Can you tell us what the city has done to clean the river? 
Oh, yes. The city, uh, like many cities, um, was built with a combined sewer system. So historically, you, uh, you if you think back to Victorian times, people dumped their trash into the streams, trash and sewage. And then once we knew that was a source of um, um, health concern, those streams were encapsulated. Uh, so historically, the streams carried both the sewage and the stormwater. And when the when the, the pipes reach capacity, the sewage would overflow into the river. So that's how cities were built. That's how our city was built. And uh, the city entered into a consent decree to clean up the water. And since 2009, they've been working um, at both the combined sewer and the sanitary sewer systems to increase the capacity of our system to treat sewage so that we're not emptying raw sewage into the water. So you'll see this uh, in in West Park, um, you'll see a big equalization tank, which is, you know, when the pipes fill with stormwater, everything goes to this big tank until the water subsides and then that wa- that sewage gets treated before it's put back into the river. Okay, now the job isn't 100% done. You mentioned earlier uh-huh. that we have got about 5% that's still... What yep. areas, what parts of the river are still polluted? It's uh, from Woodland Street Bridge downtown, downstream to Bordeaux Street Bridge. Okay. So, Okay. We make note of those places and spots on the river. Now, John Michael, I know you're a close observer of local wildlife, what do you see out there that gives you clues about how healthy the river is? Yeah, talking with Mikhail and, and Tony as well about habitat indicators. Last time I was on, we talked about beavers uh, in wetlands and wetlands and green spaces next to the river. Um, habitat indicators that we have seen re- recently, North American river otters um, in Shelby Park, in beaver ponds, in Shelby bottoms. Um, they're carnivorous. They're a habitat indicator, apex predator, um, predominantly fish as well as osprey. Osprey have been... Um, nesting up and down the Cumberland River, um, and they exclusively eat fish, so that's also uh, an indicator of the habitat uh, quality in places. Uh, and every recent, we've had some bald eagles nest not too far from here um, hey. at this station uh, along the Cumberland River Greenway um, and some other parks uh, that we might ask Tony or you guys to help us get the word out and uh, have best practices um, as well, and we're protecting those uh, species and helping them thrive. What time of day is the best time for someone to go out and observe these wonderful animals in action? Well, right now, plug for the Purple Martin migration, uh, the roost downtown. If you stop by any waterway that's close to downtown, uh, Purple Martins are a neotropical migratory bird. They're heading down towards Brazil, the Pantanal, the grasslands of South America, uh, and they regionally uh, head south. Nashville happens to be one of their regional roosts, so birds will come in from all different directions. And they use the Cumberland basically as a, you know, if you were getting some water before you went to bed. Also, they'll pee and poop before, or poop, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but they'll, they use that as a river or a water source. Um, and then some of the tributaries, I know Stephanie's going to speak a little bit about the tributaries as well. The Stones, Mill Creek, White's Creek, Mill Creek, um, and, and, and those being a little bit slower uh, waterways and, and more shallow uh, that can be accessible for, for non-motorized craft as well. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour about the evolution of the Cumberland River with Mikhail Houghton and John Michael Cassidy. What do you do and what do you like about the river? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Now, you know, all these changes, they sound super cool. 
And I could picture how the changes, it really changes the perception of the river and in effect the city itself. I've heard that for years, Nashvilleians pretty much avoided the river, but here we are talking about all these plans and activities. Mikhail, tell me who is spurring all of this attention and action? I think lo- there have been local advocates for years who have been getting on the water and encouraging city leaders uh, and state leaders to um, improve access, improve water quality, and they've responded. I also think that with the fresh eyes of outsiders have um, alerted us to the treasure right within the middle of our city. And if you go to most other cities, the riverfront or the waterfront can be the most valuable property. And I think people are certainly understanding that our economy is transitioning. Uh, And the river and the tributary creeks become an important lifestyle uh, attribute of our city. So the greenways, the getting on the water um, after work, you know, that's something Mm -hmm. that is a wonderful offering of Nashville that you could just go get on the water after work. So I think it's a combination of everybody suddenly opening their eyes to what's what's right in front of us. Yeah, what's what's your watershed, right? Richland Creek Greenway, White Creek Greenway, Mill Creek Greenway, um, and that's all funneling into the Cumberland. You know, we often have the conversation on the show about the old Nashville and the new Nashville. It sounds like new Nashvilleans are helping old Nashville recognize the beauty of this magnificent body of water that we had and we have. Why? I'd like to hear from both of you. Why do you think that's significant? I think we're having a lot of um, residents moving here from water scarce areas. So moving from California, moving from droughts and wildfires, um, areas, coastal areas where the water can be dangerous. And we see this incredible source of fresh water right in front of us. I think uh, I think it's the greatest contributor to our economic growth, but I may be biased. <laughs> <laughs> John yeah. Michael? Yeah, there's three reservoirs in town, Old Hickory Lake, per- Percy Priest Lake, and Lake Cumberland, or Cumberland Lake just uh, towards Ashland City and Bell's Bend. Tons of tributaries to paddle to Cumberland as well. Um, I'm from the old school. I'm from here, moved back. Uh, what, you know, somewhat disconnected, paddle to Harpeth, paddle to Buffalo, travel to paddle, um, TSRA and other organizations coming over compact, friends groups have increased access uh, for non-motorized sports, uh, paddle sports that is. And um, yeah, we, we talk about connection, experience, emotion, you know, feel it, love it. What's important for us to keep in mind as the Cumberland moves into this new era? I mean, yeah. for me, yeah. For, yeah, for me, safety first, like in, in, in regards to paddling, call to action, you know, Get involved with Cumberland River Compact, TSRA, um, all the all the ten green organizations, Nature Conservancy, what's so on and so forth. You know, what can you do at home? Um, you know, we're a Tennessee Smart Yard community at our nature center, um, building rain gardens, n- using chemicals correctly or not using them at all, um, restoring the riverbank, um, some type of of action that, uh, and then connect with it. Actually, go look at it, go see it, uh, go paddle on it, go touch it. Have some get wet. Yeah. (laughs) Go get wet. There's not a problem with doing that. Now, I'm curious about how development plays a part of this. Mikhail, what are you keeping an eye out for with the East Bank plan? Well, the the quality of our water is determined by how we use the land. So pollution ends up in the water when it 
flows off the land and into the water. So the more that we can sink the water into the ground uh, close to where the rain falls, the cleaner our water will be because the ground filters and cleans it before it hits through the underwater tables. So uh, the more green space that we can that we can provide in our city, the cleaner and more abundant our water will be. So the East Bank redevelopment has uh, some green space planned for it. And uh, what what I'm looking to see is that the green space remains in the plan. It's, it's really important for the resilience of our city, for the health of our city, that uh, that that green space remains in the plan and in future development all over the city. Now, John Michael, I understand that the entire corridor from Shelby Park through downtown up past Germantown to Oracle is about to potentially change. How different do you think the riverfront will look and feel 10 years from now? Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, I'm not speaking from metro planning or any type of uh, perspective um, other than what's known, Morph Park, uh, East Bank, as as Mikhail was uh, mentioning, just the pervious concrete, right? So the parking lots um, versus uh, a natural surface that could filter that water versus runoff. But there's the potential is 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 a lot in regards to change potentially, especially along Davidson, East Bank to Oracle. Um, and the influx of, of new workers and people that will likely be more involved with the river. And for us, where they likely go into run and bike and have their dog, mm-hmm. they're probably coming to the largest green space that's near downtown, but it doesn't have to be that way. We could connect. Um, and that's Nashville Neck, you know, plan to play. Um, connecting different corridors and, and different parks and green spaces. I can imagine a lot more action taking place on the Cumberland, you know, things like barges, paddle boats. I think there are even going to be some floating saloons, I heard. There <laughs> there are already. Uh, we were talking about General Jackson, which is the old school uh, mm-hmm. party barge, uh, but we definitely have a, a number of songs that we hear along the river from not along the ri- not on the river, but from the river, um, that we can we can sing along with. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine it's fun, but you know, I also imagine it could get a little bit difficult out there with so many folks on the water making use of it. Mikhail, are there tensions of, between folks out there? Uh, there have been because the the barges uh, still use the river for navigation and for commerce, so. And when you get on a barge, they're pushing from, they're being pushed from behind, and sometimes they're three long and two wide, uh, and it's really hard to control from behind. So uh, the barge community and the paddling community went out together on a barge so that we could all understand, the Cumberland River Compact convened that group, so that we could all understand the challenges. to mutual coexistence. And after that, I think that the outfitters have done a great job of really um, moving their travel to the side, the banks, close to the banks, and leaving the main part of the channel open to to barge traffic. Okay. Now, going back to pollution for a minute, Mikhail, you, you mentioned that part of the river is still polluted. But seeing and knowing how a river works, how is that possible? Uh there is a combined sewer overflow at the the segment of the river that is still impaired. And so that 
exceeds the limits of the EPA, and so it becomes uh, non-supporting, therefore listed on the 303D list. It's sort of a bureaucratic um, determination, and um, I would say we probably don't want to swim in the river right after a rainstorm. That's when all the, 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 the streets are being washed into the river. Um, but other than that, it's it's a good, good, clean river to, to enjoy. Okay, so don't swim in the river immediately after a rainstorm. How long should one wait? A day? Yeah, I would hours? wait a day. A yeah, day I would two. wait a day. Okay, yeah. that's a good tip for everybody out there. Now, we're talking about the water, and obviously you both are pretty connected to it. And, you know, a lot of Nashvilleans haven't given it a second thought. Hopefully, after they hear this, they will. What are what are ways people can be encouraged to connect with the river? Is something that not only is beautiful to look at, but something that they value and really want to be a part of? John Michael. Sure. Uh, Parks offers uh, instructional classes and skill development for paddle skills, stand-up paddleboarding, kayaking, canoeing, um, including on the Cumberland. Um, there's a number of outfitters, including, I don't know if there's still one at um, uh, Rock Harbor anymore. There was a stand-up paddleboard outfitter there, but there's a number of outfitters that run trips from basically Opryland, so five miles upstream of, of Shelby Park to, and then Shelby Park to downtown, which is about three miles. Um, kayaks, stand-up paddleboard, mostly kayaks, um, but there's opportunities uh, for that, and then there's a lot of classes. Um, and then downstream, there's some nature tours towards Ashland City. Um, on pontoons, mostly for bald eagles and herons. That's so cool to see a bald eagle. I'm excited to do that. Mikhail, how can people connect more with their river? It's an amazing experience to get in a kayak on the Cumberland River. You really feel the majesty of the the uh, the barges and the downtown. It's, I would encourage everybody to do that. There are outfitters. Uh, the Cumberland River Compact has monthly cleanups that you can sign up for where we get in kayaks and clean up trash in the Cumberland River. So it's a nice way to get out on the river. Um, yeah, that's a that's a great way to see the river and really feel how big it is. And excellent birding, too, yeah. along the river. Swift swallows. It, yeah. Yeah. Usually get lost in the birds. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm curious, like, does Metro Schools work with either one of you to really give kids an education on the river? We have a great program um, called Environmental STEM that goes into the schools and teaches the schools to use their campus and the streams that run along the edges of their campus as kind of a living laboratory to teach STEM. So it's a great way, you know, to just get outside and see what's there's all kinds of stuff out there. Yeah, where does your water go? What We work with one particularly close school, Inglewood. Um, if, if rain drops or runoff from the parking lot, where does that eventually go? Mikhail kind of hinted at karst um, topography as well uh, with runoff in regards to entering the water table, uh, but literally connecting the kids to the Cumberland and going down, um, experiencing, you know, Cave Spring and, and the park and, and walking down to the to see the river. I like that. And touch it. Educating the kids so they have a deeper appreciation for this river that's right in their backyard. It's wonderful. Thank you both for being here. Mikhail Houghton is the director of the Cumberland River Compact, and John Michael Cassidy is the director of the Shelby Bottoms Nature Center. Again, thanks to you both for being on the show, and we'll see you out there on the water. All right, see you out there. Thanks. 
We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to learn more about the fun things to do and on and in and around the river. How about a dragon boat race? Sounds pretty cool. What do you like to do on the Cumberland? You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Colona, and this is Nashville. As we just heard, our Cumberland River is a magnificent body of water, and it's finally starting to get its due. Now, before the break, we learned about the city's dedication to cleaning up the river. Now, let's talk about some of the more op- some of the opportunities out there to go out there and enjoy the river and have fun and take advantage of everything that it offers. My next guests are here to tell us a little bit about what you can do now on the water. Margaret Littman is the co-owner of Nashville Paddle Company and board member of the Cumberland River Compact. And Stephanie Sullivan is the operations director of the Tennessee Scenic Rivers Association, or TSRA. Margaret, Stephanie, thanks for joining us. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you for having us. I'm excited to be here. Really great. Thanks. Great to have you both. Great to have you both. Now, I'd like to learn a little bit more about your interest in rivers and where it came from. Margaret, have you always been connected to the water? I always have been connected to the water. I'm one of those people who feels better when I'm on the water or near the water. Um, I live on the Cumberland. And when I was moving back to Nashville in 2007, which I now know was a formative year for the river since I listened to the last guests, um, I didn't even realize I could live on the river um, when I was moving back. And then as soon as I found out, um, I knew I had to do it. So I get to sort of see it and be on it every day. Stephanie, I understand you grew up in Hermitage, right? I did. Did you have an interest in the river when you were younger? You know, it's funny because I lived um, really close to the river, but never got on the river actually until I was an adult. Um, And so it was actually during the COVID years where I recognized I have lived within three miles of the river. I've never really spent much time on it. And I got time to explore the river. And it's this unique green space that you can get on. And all of a sudden, even in the city, you have a little bit of city and a little bit of nature together. What were people saying about the river back when you were growing up? (laughs) I think we touched a little bit on that earlier. Um, Definitely wasn't a place you were supposed to get in. Um, You know, in addition to water quality, you also have a big body of water that has quite a bit of a flow to it, too. So even as a kid, you know, um, unless I had my water wings on, (laughs) (laughs) I was not encouraged to actually get in the water. Um, And we didn't have, you know, paddle we didn't have paddle boards. We didn't have kayaks available. So for me, um, it was always just looking at the water that we got to do. You know, when I was a young person, I used to go visit my grandparents in New York City. And they said, if you get in the Hudson, you come out glowing. I'm wondering, did were there any like myths or, or tales about what would happen to you if you got into the Cumberland back then? Um, you know, I did have visions of monsters, but no, I actually, um, I think it was just one of those things that there wasn't a lot of access. There wasn't a lot of programs. I didn't have friends that were getting into the water. So it just wasn't really a resource that was available to me at the time. Well, what are some of your favorite things to do now on the Cumberland? Um, I like spending a lot of times on the tributaries. So the Stones River is a great um, river that 
goes into the Cumberland. So definitely there's lots of greenway space there. You can paddle that. Um, there's several access points, either by Percy Priest Dam or even further down that you can get in and then opens up into the Cumberland River. Um, I'm lucky enough to live near Shelby Bottoms as well. So, again, getting in the Cumberland River, and you can even go upriver a little bit and then to Mill Creek um, and explore that as well. Margaret, what about you? What are some of your favorite things to do on the Cumberland? So I am an avid paddleboarder, um, and so that is my favorite way to be on the Cumberland um, because I love to, I love that same stretch as you're coming downstream past Shelby Bottoms and making that turn and being able to see the skyline. I just think that's this aha moment that you, that never gets old. And I also, I like being on a paddleboard because of the vantage point that you get while standing, you get to sort of see uh, the riverbanks, but you also get to see into the water. And so I love that. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about paddle boarding for folks who have never tried it. Um, so it's a, it's a board that looks a little bit like a surfboard. And when I first started paddle boarding and I would drive around town with my board on top of my car, people at a red light would stop me and say, where do you surf around here? Hmm. And that doesn't happen anymore, which is part of, you know, one of the things that I measure um, the way that people are aware of what you can do on the river. But anyway, it looks like a paddle. It looks like a surfboard, but it's much bigger. It's designed for you to be able to balance and stand on it. And then you have a paddle Unlike a kayak paddle that has two blades, uh, it's a paddle with just one blade that you switch sides and you stand and sort of use your whole body, but a lot of your core to propel yourself forward. Uh, but you can also kneel on a paddle board. Uh, you can sit, you can lie down, you can prone paddle where you don't have a paddle at all and you lie down and use your arms mm. and so it's, I love the flexibility of it. Um, also, if you want to get in and swim, then get back out. I think it's easier to get back on a paddleboard than back in a kayak. So, but kayaks are great too. Uh, yes, yes. I heard a lot of, of the, yeah. the per, a lot of people sing the praises of ca kayaks out here. So paddleboarding is not only a way for you to get yourself out on the water, it's a way for you to get yourself in pretty decent shape, huh? You, it, you can, I mean, you can do it leisurely. You can, people definitely take a book out there and just read on a paddleboard, but you can also use it as a workout. All right. Now, the Cumberland River Compact has its annual Dragon Boat Festival in September. Tell me more about that, Margaret. What goes on at the festival? So I'm obviously biased, but I do think that that is the most fun day of the year. A dragon boat is a 40 foot long boat. You have 20 paddlers in one boat, plus a drummer, plus a professional steers person, and you all paddle in unison. And the stroke is a little bit like a paddleboard stroke in that it's a very uh, vertical stroke and the paddle has one blade and it's super fun because it's a super fast race. We uh, The course is 250 meters. So the whole time you're racing might be a minute, a minute, 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And so it's, a, it's definitely a sprint. Um, but a team that is paddling in unison and really like has their act together and paddling to the sound of that drummer can beat a team that might be stronger or bigger that's not in unison. And so there's this 
something about it that is super um, just accessible to me that I love. Also, you have this drummer, so you have this sound and the sound of the paddles hitting the water. And then lots of people tend to wear costumes hmm. when they are in dragon boat races. So there's also something that's just super goofy and fun. And it's to me, it's just a quintessential Nashville day because you're you've got the skyline and you've got people drumming like what's more Nashville than that. And then you're on this river that is the essential part of, you know, why Nashville exists because we have this waterway. So I just think it's super fun. Sounds like a really fun and lively atmosphere. And there's a couple dozen teams competing. Some people have to be out there for the first time. What do you hear from them about their experience? Um, it's so it's a sport. I think dragon boating is a sport that's very hard to explain. You just have to get down there and get in a boat. And we have practices the week before the race. This year, the race is September 23rd. And so you hear from people that they just sort of didn't get it until they got on the water. Lots of people who come dragon boat and it it is a fundraiser for the compact, but lots of people who dragon boat got roped into someone by someone like me mm-hmm. who loved the race. And then they'll say, Hey, this is the first time I've been on the water. And when you're actually sitting in that boat and you're doing that race and you're having fun, it completely changes your perspective and it changes, you know, some of maybe those preconceived notions that you have about the Cumberland. And then people are open to coming to do a cleanup with the compact or coming to kayak or take a class with TSRA or come paddleboard. Um, it just, opens a world that people don't necessarily know about. Stephanie, have you been to the dragon race? I have been to the dragon boat race. I have not been on a dragon boat yet. Hmm. This might be my year. I think this sounds like it could be your year. <laughs> what's it What's it been like when people have their first experience on the river from what they've told you, Steph? Um, I think several people have talked about that today. Um, it's just a completely different world when you're on the river, you can see the skyline from your car. You can see the skyline from walking on the sidewalk. But when you see it from the river, it looks completely different and you have a completely different feeling. And I think I think um, majestic is a word that I hear a lot or, you know, you have nature interacting with the skyline from a way that you never get to see it when you're just in your car. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the river just kind of transforms your entire experience. So you got to get on it. To feel yeah. It. Yeah. Now, Margaret, you mentioned that you're an avid stand-up paddleboard enthusiast, and I understand that your claim to fame is that you've paddled in all 50 states, which, pat on the back, I think that's pretty cool. What's your next paddleboard goal? Um, You know, I don't know that I have a next goal like that. Um, it It was super fun. It obviously took a lot of time and a lot of travel. But one of the things that that experience gave me was a really good sense of how other cities and other areas make their blueways accessible. And so it gave me a lot of ideas of things that we can come back and do in Nashville. And I guess that's what I'm really most motivated to do now. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville. And I'm your host, Khalil Lake We're talking this hour about the fun and cool things you can do on the Cumberland River with Margaret Littman and Stephanie Sullivan. Tweet us your ideas at This Is Nashville. Stephanie, do you have any river goals? Um, I would like to paddle the entire length of the Cumberland. You know, it starts actually in Kentucky at the Cumberland Gap. 
um, which has its own history, and then ends up at Land Between the Lakes up in Kentucky as well, and it dips through Nashville for 55 miles. So, How long is that entire trip? I think about 690 miles, give or take. So wow. It's a, it's a, it would be an undertaking, and there's lots of planning and preparation. Um, but I think, you know, blue-way travel, you know, you have the AT and through trails that you can travel for months, um, and I think— I would like to see in the future people to be able to do long trips on the river as well. well I'm, I'm curious about the planning that you have to do. How do you even start planning a trip like that? Um, first, I think you put it in segments. Um, so you can break the river down in segments. And then you're looking at green spaces and access points to get on and off the river. And then, of course, in a trek like this, you have overnight camping. Um, but you'll be surprised once you start looking that there are a lot of parks and green spaces already out there to, to utilize. You just need to make sure that they're accessible, um, safe. Mm-hmm. Safety is one thing too. Would you have um, someone going with you? Um, I would definitely, yes. And um, I think it would be a solo trip with hopefully friends that would like to paddle different portions along the way. That sounds super cool. Now, and you know, Margaret, the Cumberland River Compact, it works to ensure that, you know, our river is clean for humans and all manners of wildlife. What are ways that we can be good stewards of the Cumberland now that it's been cleaned up? Well, I think awareness is great, not littering. I mean, some basic things like that are great. Uh, one of the things I think the Cumberland Com- uh, River Compact does a great job of is helping people understand how what they do in their backyards or their front yards, how that all ends up in the river, right? So if we over fertilize, if we fertilize in our yards right before it rains that stuff doesn't go into our the plants it goes into the storm sewer and ends up in the cumberland so understanding sort of the whole how the whole ecosystem is connected i think is a a really valuable thing stephanie tell me what has the tsra done to help protect the river um tsra has a lot of great um programs to protect the river Um, We have been involved in stream cleanup, though. I think Cumberland River Compact does some really good ones on Cumberland River. We also have um, access builds that help people get access to the rivers. And then we do a lot of education classes, which is really important to how to be safe on the water, how to take care of the space when you're there. Um, And so I think also looking at some of our classes is a great way. We have everything from beginners all the way to whitewater paddlers. Um, you can find those on our calendar on our website. What are some of the key tips that you want people to have for being safe on the water while they're out there having fun? I'm very glad you asked. I don't want to sound like everyone's mom, but please wear your life jacket. Um, mm-hmm. The drownings without life jackets are huge. With life jackets, they're very, very small. So please wear your life jacket when you're out there. Um, if you, Even if you're a great swimmer, it doesn't mean if you're unconscious you can swim. So um, wear your life jacket. Be aware of other other traffic. Um, Barges were mentioned. They're big. They're slow. Kayakers are not easy to see. So just be aware of your surroundings when you're looking at the birds. Also look at what other paddle crafts are coming your way. Um, Stick to the shoreline if you're on the Cumberland. And if you cross the channel, make sure you cross as a group. Mm -hmm. Um, So you stay together. Um, And then also there's pre-trip planning. Make sure you're telling someone where you go um, before you leave and when you'll be back. So if you don't show up, they'll know what to do. Um, and then make sure you also know the weather and then obviously the water as well. If you get on the river, like 
Um, we were said earlier, if it's flooding, you don't really want to get on the river at that time. It's a washout. So just be aware of river levels as well. Okay. Now, you know, Margaret, tell me, what do you want life to be like on the Cumberland in 10 years? What's your vision for the river? Um, I have a vision where you know, lots of people, you can see the river from lots of places. I mean, think about your experience at Ascend Amphitheater. You've got this great amphitheater that's on the water, but you're not really interacting with it, which is not the case of an amphitheater in in Memphis or in Knoxville. So I think there are ways like in my vision that we really are aware of the river when we're on the river. I um, am a big proponent of signage. Um, TSRA builds all these great access points, but sometimes it's hard to know about them. Um, so even just having those basic brown recreation signs that have a picture of a canoe and an arrow to tell people where access points are would be great. Having other signage that tells people about where the blue ways are, how fast the river goes, what wildlife they might um, see. Um, so a, sort of a vision of that. And I um, would like to see a lot more people using the river, fishing there, paddle boarding, wearing life jackets. Um, you know, if I were in charge, um, I would love to see water taxis. Okay. That would help us. That sounds really cool. That, I want to thank you both. That sounds super cool. I want to thank you both. My guests are Margaret Littman, co-owner of Nashville Paddle Company and board member of the Cumberland, Cumberland River Compact. And Stephanie Sullivan is the operations director at the Tennessee Scenic Rivers Association or TSRA. Thank you both for being with us today. And we're going to go out today with an adventure of our own on the river. We sent producer Tony Gonzalez out for a paddling trip of, of his own. He connected with Dylan Schultz with the outfitting company Cumberland Kayak. And Tony got to bring along a special guest, his daughter Lily. We are about to go kayaking on the Cumberland River. We're starting at Shelby Park uh, and going to downtown. We might see some kingfishers, some fish, maybe some seabirds. Are you going to paddle? No. Why not? Because Dad has to do all the paddling. Good morning, everybody. If I could have your attention for just a couple minutes, I'm going to talk you through uh, the route for today, a couple safety things about the river. Your paddle today is going to be about three miles. It normally takes people about an hour. Anybody's first time kayaking today? Ooh, the last time I did something like with a boat was probably I was in ninth grade. And I'm 21 now, so that tells you a lot. I'm Taylor. Uh, my name is Quentin. We was on TikTok just searching and we found this place and it looked pretty nice and people were saying it's the most popular one. So we just decided to check it out for the first time. Uh, we've got all the boats laid out for you guys and that's the end of my little spiel. So if you guys want to follow me on down. Thank you. All right, here we go. I feel like I've been exploring Nashville for like a decade and I've been on the river on a boat before, but I've never been here at the, at the water level, going past the industry, trumpet vines coming down to the water, and then there's that skyline. 
you can sort of see the skyline right from the beginning and uh, you just kind of know that's where you're headed um, but you just got to follow the river to get there ah it's the pontoon saloon well we've got the quiet kayaks and they've got the pontoon saloon right oh, do you see the waves coming lily here they come well, let's see. Let's see what we see out here. I'm trying to think, how many kayaks do we see in the water right now? I see 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. We're like almost underneath the Korean Veterans Bridge, but there are like two herons flying around. One landed in the tree, the other sort of circling. I can see the, the takeout up ahead. Lemay, that's where we're gonna take the boats out, okay? I'm gonna try to go pretty fast, okay? Ugh. We made it! <laughs> Can I get all y'all's review? I feel like it was pretty pretty chill. It wasn't, it wasn't hard, and I wouldn't say easy, but somewhere in between. The waves definitely um, caught me off guard. I was a little scared. I thought I was gonna tip over, but you know, I'm alive, so I'm still here. I told her, don't worry, I got you, and she was... He kept his word, for sure. I did, I did. I'm a man of my word. <laughs> what were some of the things you liked the most? I really liked um, the blue herons and the turtles. I, I really liked seeing the Batman building, and like seeing all those bridges and things. Like, would you ever want to do that again, or are you going to think about it differently the next time you look at the river? I'm going to... I, I want to do it again, again, and again. I really liked it. I mean, I think it's the best. Thanks for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Tony Gonzalez. Our senior producer is Steve Harouche. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tutto. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville, find us on Instagram, and let us know what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you on Monday, everybody. And be good to each other. Thank you.